For too long, the fertility market has been bewildering, overwhelming, and frankly, I think has downright ignored the needs and difficult experiences of the people they're supposed to be serving. Ovum has made it their mission to change this completely. Now, I am extremely choosy about who I promote on this podcast because I'm very protective of my listeners and audience, which is why you've probably only ever heard one spoken ad like this before. So it's with complete confidence, excitement and pride that I can share this amazing company with you. Ovum care about you, truly. From creating products to support conception and fertility that are designed by doctors and backed by the latest science without cutting any corners, from adding access to meditations I've personally written and recorded inside their pregnancy test boxes, Ovum is founded by individuals who've navigated infertility themselves. I really couldn't be more proud to partner with them and tell you about them. Ovum is driven by the belief that everyone who is trying to conceive deserves better, and I am 100% behind this ethos. So head over to startwithovum.com and use code LIFERAFT10 for 10% off their tests and supplements. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Fertility Life Off podcast with me, Alice Rose, and I am joined today by the magnificent, the lovely Lucy, <laughs> Lucy from Two Lines Fertility. Lucy, you're amazing. We were just having a chat just now, and I've, I, I'm very excited for everyone to listen to this because you've got such a wealth of knowledge and information, and you're so passionate. And anyway, I'm going to shut up. Please tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm excited to be here. I'm Lucy. I am Lucy from Two Lines Fertility, um, trained as a clinical embryologist, worked inside the lab for the first, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years of my career, um, worked in Australia, Sweden, UK. Um, I then moved into um, working for a company that make products for IVF clinics. So I got to visit lots and lots and lots of IVF clinics throughout Eastern Europe, Scandinavia and the UK, helping them to troubleshoot their success rates. Um, I then moved into working in a sales and marketing department for an IVF clinic, where I was really selling the product, selling the services of the IVF clinic. And in the process of visiting lots of GPs and in the process of all of that stuff, I worked out a couple of really key things. One is that GPs don't know much about fertility, um, so people uh, can very easily get lost when they visit their GP first and, you know, try and work out where to go. There are lots of different ways of doing IVF successfully, and generally speaking, most places have a very similar success rate or pregnancy rate, implantation rate, but there are small subtle tweaks you can make in the lab that will make a world of difference to the outcomes. And finally, that IVF is really, really big business. And so when you combine those bits of information together, the patients, the people who are seeking help with fertility are a bit lost in the middle between the GP that doesn't know much about fertility and the IVF clinic that's really big business. And so they go searching for other things and that's where I want to sit. I want to sit there as an impartial 
independent, unbiased voice of reason saying these are the tests you could, should get done, this is what you can expect and these are the people in the industry who are probably a little bit more legit than the other ones and maybe you should go and see this one and these are some good questions to ask, all those kinds of things and just trying to help people navigate this very big business world of IVF. I am sitting here nodding my head like one of those little dogs in the back of the car because I'm just I just love what you do so much and you're so um right to highlight the fact that there is this really hard bit where people come into the world of going oh my god I need fertility treatment and maybe actually they've been in that world for quite a long time for years actually but they still haven't found the people the right people is so important and who have got their best interests at heart not leading with a business well, the, the, the client I saw today, she's been having egg collection since 2019. Here we are in 2023. And she's seen, I think I counted four different doctors, which is fine in that time. You know, you're right to, to seek out different people. And in the hour that we talked, at the end of that hour, she said, I've learned more from you in the last hour than I have in the last four years of doing this treatment and the four different doctors I've seen and the naturopaths I've seen and the you know all the other people I've seen and all the other investigations and and Google late night searches that I've done I why did no one explain this to me before in such a simple way that I can actually understand and then work out what I want to do next what is it that you find that people do need to learn from you where 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 is the communication falling down I think the communication is falling down between the GPs who want, they want to do things as as low invasive as they can, but they're limited by their knowledge and their skill set. They're much more interested in diabetes and whatever. They don't have the skill set in fertility. So they're reluctant to refer. So they wait a little while before they refer because they anticipate that that most people are going to fall in that category of people who spontaneously conceive in, in the first 12 months. And then they get to an IVF clinic, these patients get referred to an IVF clinic and the IVF clinic go, okay, cool, well, our numbers are down a little bit, we're going to do IVF. And the bit in the middle that's missing is that patients actually have quite a lot of control over the outcome of that cycle. And I think we're too quick to hand over that control to other people. And we want to add another drug, add a different stimulation protocol, add a different doctor, add a different lab, add, 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 when actually maybe what they need to do is just draw the lens back a little bit and take a few things away. And if, if we're really talking about stuff that's missing is high school sex ed. You know, if you stop doing biology in year nine, like most people do, you have a rudimentary understanding of how the system works and you leave school believing that you just look at a penis and you're going to get pregnant and when that doesn't happen we don't know how to troubleshoot that because we don't have the information that's really where the gaps are and so if i can empower people with the knowledge of how their body works instead of relying on apps and external apps and and blood tests and and sources to try and tell us if we can actually know how that happens then it's much easier to troubleshoot and much easier to gather the information to make decisions about the next things you want to do. So your role in this is to essentially give people the information that they are not being taught at school, that the GPs actually don't know. Would you say it's kind of, well, I was going to say it'd be great if it was kind of before they ended up going to those four different doctors, right? Like that. Well, would... yeah, and and they're my favourite clients. You know, I have I have a couple of well, they're all my favourites, but <laughs> quite quite a few. I also love doing the between cycle reviews, like I did today. But 
I love it when people come to me proactively and say, right, okay, we're here. We know we want to start trying in 12 months. We've heard around the grapevine that maybe it's not going to be as easy as we think it's going to be. What do we need to do? Mm. Awesome. I'm so excited. Let's go back over year nine biology, add a bit of year 10 and 11 biology that your doctor probably knows, but they think it's such basic knowledge that everybody has. They forget that everybody doesn't have this information mm. and they only have 10 minutes to spend with you, not an hour. Let's go back over all of that and work all that out and make sure we've, we've ticked all those boxes. Then let's work out what our expectations are about how long this should take and then what are the steps we can do? Do we What do we do first and, and what does it mean? Do we do a semen analysis? Do we do a hysterosalpingogram? Do we do a laparoscopy? Why would we do one over the other? What are the pluses and minuses to those things? Someone unbiased who can help you weigh up all of that stuff. I've got nothing to gain other than the money you paid me for my hour of my time. So I don't get kickbacks from anybody else to, to give this information to you. This is just information that's going to empower you to ask the questions that you that you need to ask. I don't know anyone else really doing what you're doing, actually. I don't. Well, not as far as I know. Anyway, I can't. I think my understanding is there are two other clinical embryologists who are trying to work in this space as well. One of them is in the UK and she's doing a lot of work with XSEED and some stuff there. I'm not sure how much she's working one-on-one -on -one right. with, with patients and I'm not sure where her expertise really lies, whether it's quite as, as broad as mine, I don't, I'm not sure. And there is a guy in the States who's also doing it, but he's much more focused on embryos. But this literally, so you're pretty much like the only one in the world, as far as we can understand, who's really offering this service, which is which is so needed. And I think it's that impartiality, yeah. which is really, really key. And I mean, we were just chatting just now around, you know, the the wildly inflated prices of some, you know, fertility coach programs. And I feel very strongly about that as well mm -hmm. as you, um, because we have to empower ourselves and our, our clients, our customers and people listening to this. We need to make sure that they're getting the correct information and that they're not kind of handing over thousands of pounds, dollars, whatever, to people who may not have the right information. I, I get it. I, I get that that listeners, um, people who are dealing with infertility are feeling swamped, overwhelmed. They want clarity. They want a direction. They want a pathway. Um, and there's an inordinate number of women who've been through IVF who can tell you what it's like, who can share that experience with you. And I'm, I'm not here to downplay the lived experience of IVF. I think it's very important to speak to people, connect with people who have been through what you've been through, but to pay someone 6,000 US dollars for a, I, I'm not actually sure what even is involved in the program, but a, a six week program from someone who only has lived experience, I'm terrified about what that means. And, and this girl who told me about this today, she said she nearly didn't book a time with me because it was too cheap. And she thought she wasn't going to get any value from it because it was she thought at that price it can't be any good and mm. i was trying to explain to her that that you know i'm i'm here for the people who are having ivf like her and ivf is really expensive and I, you're sure i've got bills to pay too but i've got to balance that out with the fact that i actually, actually just genuinely want your ivf to work mm. like i really actually do mm. and so the best way i can do that is by giving you the information that's going to help you work out where to turn next 
it can feel so desperate when you're in the middle of all of this. And, you know, I fully relate. And I think that they're just these programs didn't really exist when I was going through all of this. I think everything's kind of mushroomed over the last kind of few years. I don't know. It really um, has. It really, <laughs> it have done really it. has. When I set out on this six years ago, I started doing Two Lines Fertility six years ago. I was like, I think I'm the only person in the world doing this. And yeah. then I found a couple of other people. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, no. Oh, no, you're not clinical embryologist you don't have or or you don't have a counseling degree or you don't have like what do you act what do you actually have other than a marketing degree mm. that you did before you did IVF and now you don't want to go back to work because you've had a baby like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm really uneasy about it <laughs> I think that's it I think you know I've been having a few conversations around this lately and I think that is because the spaces the online fertility space has really changed over the last few years certainly I think we saw a change throughout the pandemic when lots of people did you know start their own businesses uh-huh. and I think you know and I've spoken on it before but it's like who are you actually working with what do you actually need to know be really conscious about where you're uh, yes. placing your time and energy and what you're investing in and really see it as an investment and also keep in mind that a lot of these people are really good at marketing. So they know what your pain points are because they've been through it. And so they can really speak to your pain points and just dig right into them and then sell you something that they think is going to solve that. And, and it may very well do. It might be amazing. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what's in this program. It, it might be absolutely amazing. But 6000 US dollars sounds like a shitload of money to me. <laughs> I think for anyone it's a shitload of money I mean I can't I yeah I I feel like I could I could go on on that on that note for a long time because I mean not my my core values are all around you know affordability and accessibility for people I keep my rates as well as 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 affordable and accessible as possible um but yes anyway when it comes to that information that people need and that you offer them are there kind of key bits is there anything you can share with us in this podcast that people kind of say they're coming in you know and they've been through several rounds of treatment that haven't worked is there a kind of you know protocol that you go through or is it tailored for each person it's really tailored for each person but I like to it depends entirely where that particular person is up to in their journey you know if someone's right at the beginning for example I like to as I said go through high school biology you know how do we make a baby we need eggs we need sperm we need to make sure they can meet so how do we work out that we've got those things before we jump into having IVF how do we work that out and then the next stumbling block that a lot of people have is oh yeah but we've done a semen analysis and everything's fine Uh uh-huh okay well there's quite a few aspects to that that we need to to look at or the flip side of that is we've done a semen analysis and there's a problem so now we have to have IVF with ICSI okay hang on hold up a minute what is the problem how many semen analyses have we done and what might be contributing to that problem and can we maybe do something about that before we jump straight to IVF and this kind of information doesn't come from IVF clinics because they're a business and their business relies on people doing IVF so it's hard to know where that piece of information would slot into the traditional process um, and usually it arises after two or three cycles of IVF with no success and people start searching out other sources of information it should be this way around really shouldn't it you get all of this Entirely. First, that's the bit that I like is not understood around you know so you've had your semen analysis and everything's fine but you're saying that we should have multiple analysis on on different days or why do we need more than one if the original semen analysis is fine then 
maybe it's fine maybe it's not but let's go with it it's fine and it's okay let's investigate some other things if we're still struggling then we can look back at that semen analysis and go okay well that was fine but that's kind of like um, the analogy that i use is kind of like taking a photograph of the car yard at the volvo dealership right we can see that there are enough cars there they all seem to be the right kind of colors and shapes and sizes we've taken them for a bit of a test drive we know most of them drive they're fine right the semen analysis is fine but what happens when we actually drive those cars down the road and we get 200 kilometers down the road and we discover that the radio doesn't work or that the engine's actually in the boot. You know, something's just not built right with that sperm and we've used it to create an embryo and then down the track we get implantation failure or pre early pregnancy loss or, you know, we're learning more over the last probably three or four, maybe even five years that a lot of early pregnancy loss can actually be traced back to functionality of sperm rather than what we see on a semen analysis. So, you know, we sperm DNA fragmentation and other weird things that we don't even really know how to test for yet. But when we can correct them with diet and lifestyle changes, we possibly correct the problem with the implantation and the recurrent pregnancy loss. There's not enough detail about it. There's not enough research about it yet, but it, there's signs that seem to be leading towards that. And I say, rather than having a sperm DNA fragmentation test, for which the treatment is diet and lifestyle changes, why would we not do those diet and lifestyle changes first when we're preparing for treatment anyway? Because often that sperm DNA fragmentation is expressed as embryos that, that fall over on day three. They develop beautifully up to day two, day three, and then they stop developing. But if we go back and then spend three months working on sperm health, not just what the semen analysis said, but the sperm health, then the embryos develop better from day three to day five. Winning. So let's do that work anyway while we're leading into the cycle. Why would we do a cycle and discover that and then have to go back and do it? Just do it in the first place. Oh my God, that's so interesting around the Vol I love the Volvo dealership analogy. And also I love the focus on sperm because we, for so long, I mean, it was certainly when I, we were going through all of it, it just wasn't really a thing. Like it just... No, when I started working in the lab 23 years ago or something that makes me feel very old, we didn't even look at sperm morphology. Like we didn't even test it. So I did two years at, at a clinic in Melbourne before I moved to Sweden. I did nine or ten months covering a maternity leave position there and then i went to the uk and i got to this clinic in the uk and they're like oh we need to do the morphology test i'm like okay what's that i've never done one and this was 2003 and they're like oh we're just kind of doing them we don't really take any notice of it you know back then 30 percent of cases were considered to be male factor or sorry 20 percent 20 percent female factor 20 percent a combination of the two and then a great chunk of unexplained 40 percent unexplained now it's 30% male, 30% female, 30% combination, 10% unexplained. And that gap in the unexplained is filled by sperm morphology factors. So when we go back and look, we go, oh, yeah, they had a sperm morphology problem. So that's why they, they weren't actually unexplained. That was a male factor. So interesting. Mm. This is the information, isn't it, that we need and that people yeah understand and that actually and, and it gives the tools to go okay cool well i can see that and so a lot of the clients that i deal with are coming towards the end of their treatment pathways and uh, quite often i do have clients who are like okay i'm coming to you as a sort of a last thing is it time to stop 
I need someone impartial to tell me whether it's time to stop. And I go back over their cycles. I'm like, but how come, how come they went from that to that? Why did they change that? Like that first cycle went really well. Why did we change the protocol? Oh, they, we just wanted to try something new. But that one worked really well. Oh, but we didn't get a pregnancy. Well, you're not going to get a pregnancy from every embryo. Uh, that's not going to happen. And, and this is part of your conditioning as a child, you know, growing up, you get something wrong, you go back and fix it or change it so you get it right next time. Then you get to IVF, you don't get a pregnancy. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to go back and change anything. It just means that one wasn't right. So I think people miss that too. But what I was getting at is the stuff that people is, are missing is in that understanding. Because once you have that data and you have that information, then you go, okay, like a client I had a week or so ago, we went through it all and I went, you know what? You're right, it is time. That is it. Because this is what we can see. And we know that these things are linked to those things. And when we put all that together, this is what we get. And if it's not changing, that's a genetic thing. It's an egg genetics. It's a something you can't do anything about. Mm -hmm. She was really upset, obviously, but mm -hmm. she messaged me about three days later. She said, it wasn't what I wanted to hear but it's exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you so much. Because now I understand why it's time to stop. Now I feel okay about it and I can process that grief and start working on the next bit. Right. You know, quite a lot of time, I've had questions a lot, you know, where people say, I, you know, how, how, how do I know when it's time to stop? How do I know? Yeah. Part of the answer is like, well, have you had all of the information that you need? Have you actually spoken to somebody like you who can actually look at what's happened so far and really give you uh, an impartial review. And also, you know, that obviously my work is all based around connection to self and mindset and all of that stuff. So, and, and it really is a combination around, around the two, which is why I love having people like you on the podcast, because I cannot speak about clinical embryology or any of the other amazing stuff that you know. I don't know that stuff. But what I also do know is that when we're taking on this information, we need to have the right kind of mindset and support in place yeah. in order to manage it in order to process it you know if you get the information from you that says you know do you know what it, it's time to stop you then need the the tools and resources yeah. and the support to, to process that so it really is a kind of two part thing isn't it often I imagine that the the news is different I imagine that the news is like hey no you can try this you can try that you can try that yeah. do you often find that do you often find that you've got loads of other things you can suggest I wouldn't say loads, but often I'll say, look, you could try this thing, but the data sort of doesn't really back it up. But at the point we're at, maybe that's a good thing to try. I would say overwhelmingly, one of the biggest things that I say to people is let's just press pause for a minute mm -hmm. and let's, and it pisses people off. I'm like, I'm not saying relax or take a break or any of that kind of shit. I'm just saying you've been through a lot of trauma and you cannot just keep adding to that trauma by feeling the pressure of the IVF clinic, of your age, of the fact that your sister's kids are all growing up or your best friend's onto a third baby or all that pressure. Let's just press pause for a minute and remember that it takes three months to mature and grow an egg and it takes three months to create a sperm. So let's actually spend a bit of time preparing that and focusing on that and do give it one more try having prepared for it so if we look at the three month break in that mindset it doesn't really change much but it could change the fact of whether you have a 10 year old at all so let's just press pause for a minute let's get some support in place let's make sure we've got some 
emotional support we're doing all the diet lifestyle things that we want to do so that eventually you can turn around and go wherever you happen to be i did everything that i could i feel comfortable that i made the best decisions that i could with the information that i had at the time yeah that's the biggest gift i can give people because one day we're all going to be 60 i'm a little bit closer than than most people listening probably but we're all going to get to 60 and what i want for my clients is that when you get to 60 or a non-reproductive part of your life that you go huh this is not where i thought i was going to be but it's clearly where i need to be and it's not how i thought i was going to get here but it's okay i'm okay i certainly wish that i had understood so much of this before we kind of went into it and and what I hear you saying there with the kind of just take a pause is almost the idea of like I talk about slowing down to speed up sometimes because we can get this frantic kind of manic feeling and again really that's where I was as well it's like no 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 I can't wait for a month but you you have to take a, a broader picture and you need to understand that actually when you slow down and just go, okay, but this is actually what needs to happen for me internally, externally. You know, we need to get some things aligned here before we do this magical thing trying to create a baby. And that's where I dip into that mindset side of things. And I don't go there often because it's not a space that I'm comfortable. I'm a scientist and I'm much more comfortable in the stuff we can calculate and measure and control. But I do dip into this other one and I say to everybody that there's two balls here this one that we can calculate and measure and control and we want to make sure we've ticked all those boxes but then there's this other one that's just as big and just as important and that's full of all the shit we don't understand like why the hell did I conceive spontaneously at 43 after seven years of recurrent miscarriage it doesn't make any sense there's nothing in this box that answers that that sits entirely over here we need to acknowledge this space and work out what we want to do about it do we go and work with a hypnotherapist do we go and work with a psychologist do we get some reflexology do we what do we do but we need to acknowledge do we journal do we whatever it is join the life raft membership (laughs) join the life raft membership indeed so we need to we need to acknowledge this space yeah and make sure that we've ticked all these boxes so that we've got both coming in you know, if they're two trains, they're both arriving at the station at the same time. Exactly that. And I think that's where just going back to the $6,000 course from the, that's where I, I struggle because I just think, mm, is there, is that leaving the room to get both of those sides involved? Because if you're only focusing solely on one side or the other side, that's, that's not going to do not going to get there. You're not going to get there. You need both. You need to understand it's, it is both. And there are two bits of data, if I'm in my safe space, that feed that. One is the um, study that came out of the Karolinska Institute in the late 80s, uh, might have been early, yeah, late 80s, early 90s, somewhere around there, that was looking at recurrent miscarriage. And I did a big paper on this when I was at university in the 90s with no knowledge as to what was in my future, obviously. But that study basically showed that if we give women TLC in early pregnancy, women who've had minimum three miscarriages in a row, if we give those women a shitload of TLC, lots of scans, lots of handholding, lots of whatever, there is an 80% difference in the retention rates between the two groups of women. What the hell? Like no medical intervention at all, purely TLC intervention. Now this study was published, came out of the Karolinska Institute, as I said, in the late 80s, early 90s. It's hard to find online because it was pre-internet because, you know, I went to university pre-internet. Yep. <laughs> um, fascinating study. So that's one that I quote. And wow. the other study that we know, you know that, that gives us, that study, sorry, gives us so much information about the impact that 
how we think and how we feel and how supported we are has on what our bodies are capable of doing. That's incredible. And the other one is uh, from 2020. So um, 2020, when the whole world hit pause on everything and we didn't have a choice about it, um, there were studies published at least one, if not two or three, that showed that that three month pause in IVF was not detrimental to outcomes. Wow. Even in women with low AMH, even in women with low egg reserves who were considered to be poor respondents, provided they spent that three months doing something towards their treatment. Mm -hmm. So, and by doing something towards their treatment, I'm talking diet, lifestyle, mindset, getting yourself in the right space to be ready to hit the ground running when, when clinics opened up again. So those two pieces of data just made me go, there is a shitload here we don't understand. So let's tick all these boxes and stop trying to find the one medication or the one test or the one thing over here that's going to be the thing that you need to change. Let's make sure we've ticked all those boxes, but then let's go over here for a bit. Oh my God, so interesting. And I have a lot of people who have gone over that side because I... I was saying in my, um, we had my first call for Reclaim, which was my program last night and the, as in module one. And I, <laughs> I definitely seem to be attracting like very overachievers. I get a lot of type yes. A. Oh, I get all in type A women, yeah. right. Give me what I need to do. Tell me the prescription. I need the, the recipe. I'll just do it. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. Yeah. And that was me. Uh, type A, get it, get it done. I want this sorted yeah. out, please. I've got um, my checklist here and I've yeah. done it all. And yeah. where's and, my gold star? And that was me. You know, I was, I, that was me as well. I remember sitting me there too. in my, in, yeah, in my counsellor, uh, my first counselling session, she was like, you're a high achiever, aren't you? And I was like, well, I, I, I've been used to, I was at one point, don't know if I am right now, but yes. Yeah, essentially, yeah. I, I normally, yeah, those people who, yeah, <laughs> not right now. Um, but, you know, I, I, that's how I felt like I should just be able to, you know, get all the information that I needed and sort it out and then it would be fine. But what I learned and why I do what I do is exactly this reason, because actually what I had to understand was that I needed to lean into that part of fertility, which is just this mysterious. And it's why most IVF labs, most embryology labs have a talisman or a um, little superstition or something you know if you go into an ivf lab if you're ever lucky enough to get inside an ivf lab just look around you'll see it there'll be something somewhere that some little superstitious thing will be sitting over the ICSI rig or it'll be sitting over there really yes hugely superstitious people there's magic see i love that and i've always said like and i think that's what's really nice is that kind of there's this divide isn't there between like the science people and then like people like me (laughs) um but actually it's a blend there isn't there isn't a divide at all so I wrote it's my most read blog piece I wrote a blog about what who actually are embryologists what are they and there was a there was an anthropologist so a, a person who studies humans her paper is called the culture of embryologists and she looked at who embryologists are as people so when I started working as an embryologist I had to do a personality profile test And it was eight hours of making sure that I was the right kind of person to be an embryologist. What this woman worked out in in her research paper that she did was that overwhelming, one of the things she discovered, overwhelmingly most human beings, when they make a mistake, will go, their first thought will be, shit, how can I cover this up? Mm. 90% of people. And they may then go on to, no, this is too big, I can't possibly cover it up or whatever. But their very first thought is, oh shit, how can I cover this up? How can I pretend this didn't happen? Embryologists 
are the five percent of people who go i made a mistake over here excuse me <laughs> i've made a mistake can everybody see so we don't fit into the corporate world very well because you know when i was working in in sales and marketing for this ivf clinic i'm like oh gee i made this, this mistake today everyone thought i was just a nick and poop like who is this complete incapable person because all she's doing all the time is telling us how broken she is i'm like <laughs> but no i'm doing it so that you help me so that you know because we're a team and we work together and oh not here right okay whereas in the ivf lab that that's who we all are you know i made a mistake oh shit. okay what have you done right there's no judgment there's no oh my god you're an idiot it's right okay well where is it how can we do it let's fix it let's find this embryo or let's you know fix this pipette or, or whatever it is because the thing we're all working towards is much bigger than any of our egos mm -hmm. so it's the most beautiful environment to work in, but it's full of people who love to knit and do crochet and and maybe do a bit of tarot cards on the side. And, you know, we're all, you know, it's funny. I we're love funny this. Guys. Oh, my we're God. Really funny I, bunch of people. Do you know what? I absolutely love this because there's this, I, I know I felt it, and I know lots of people feel it. There's a little bit of um, a grief when you think, oh, this is how I'm going to make my babies. It's so invasive. It's so medical. It's so not how I wanted this to be, you know. But actually, there is magic involved in 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 the process. And I, I really remember. There has to be. Yeah. I really remember, you know, when we went through our treatment and getting the emails from, and I still remember his name, Ben, our embryologist, Ben, um, who would email. And I just felt this kind of connection with him because I was like he's looking after these potential little babies I just it, it blew my mind completely and I love that there's that information about who these people are who are actually doing yeah. and there's something yeah. different right about the embryologists who are kind of on the ground like make creating these embryos versus the kind of you know the sales and marketing situation and the big business and the, all completely of that different. And, and the embryologists in a lot of clinics that I get to talk to, and, and I'm talking worldwide, not specifically around here, but embryologists that I get to talk to, they, in a lot of experiences, feel a bit muzzled by the clinic. They feel as if they're not allowed to have conversations with the patients anymore. A lot of embryologists contact me and say, are you big enough for me to start working with you yet? Because I want to do what you're doing. I want to talk to patients. I want to go back to that. I mean, when, when I started working in embryology 23 years ago, not only was there a, there was a single disciplinary team inside the lab, so very much a, a team environment in the lab. We could all do the same jobs, but we shared them because you could do all of them by self but there was a very much a multidisciplinary team who were making the babies and the doctors deferred to the scientists and the scientists deferred to the nurses and the nurses deferred to the scientists and we all recognized each other's place in the puzzle and the scientists spoke to the patients you know we we were the we were the ones who knew about em embryos and eggs and sperm so when questions came up about that we answered them makes sense whereas in a lot of places around the world now it's the doctor you speak to the doctor the doctor is god and the doctor does everything. And I remember actually when I was working in the UK back in 2003, I remember the doctor, the medical director of the clinic I was working at coming into the lab with the patient's charts and saying, now, what should I do next with this patient? And I was like, oh, well, she's, you know, and I went through a chart and I scanned did this and I changed that and I probably changed the stimulation a little bit and maybe she should have this kind of culture and, you know, something different and whatever. And he went, okay, cool, thanks for that. And he closed the book and he looked at me and he said, and I get 500 pounds for that and you get nothing. And he walked out. I'm like, I don't like this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> but this is really important to understand that, that this is what is actually I'm really going on. I'm flushed. I don't know why I'm so flushed. <laughs> um 
Lucy, what you do is so important. And how can people find you? Where can they get this information? They can find me. I, I am on Instagram far too much. I have no boundaries. Um, <laughs> I'm there I love your Instagram. I love it. <laughs> um, so I'm on Instagram at Two Lines Fertility a lot. I have a bit of a passion project called at Future Fertility Safe, which is all about helping young people protect their long-term fertility um, and parents of really little people practice things that they can do to protect their children's fertility. Uh, obviously my website, twolinesfertility.com.au, that .au on the end is very important. Um, I have my big program, IVF WTF, which is all about IVF, what actually is happening in IVF, how do we understand what's going on, um, there's there's information about egg collection, embryo transfers, embryo culture, freezing, thawing, genetics, surrogacy, donation, blah, 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 blah. Um, loads and loads of information in that program. So that's how people can find me best. Oh, amazing, amazing, amazing. I honestly, I could continue to chat all day, but I will. But no, it's so, it's so lovely to chat. I think it was a few years ago. I was on your, no, I in my spoke VIP, in your, yeah, in your community. In my VIP group, yeah. That was ages ago, wasn't it? So no, I love, this is what I love about this fertility world. It's like finding the people who are really amazing and who actually have such. Um, and, we, and there there are a handful of us who all sound kind of, look after not look after each other but defer to each other and say oh that person's really good at that thing and that person's really good at that thing and it's community over competition 100 yeah oh my god totally um lucy thank you so much Absolute pleasure and i hope Ciao. that was super super helpful for everybody thank you so much everyone for being here and listening to the fertility life Rock podcast go and leave me a review go and find me on instagram at this is alice rose and we also have our at fertility life raft instagram now where we share a little bit more about what you can expect inside the membership um and everything that we have to offer including tons of resources loads of mindset support but also fantastic information and a wealth of knowledge like this as well um so go and find us there and it's fertilityliferaft.com Speak to you soon, guys. Bye.